So, Paul, uh, we've had about 18 months of misery on this show where we've talked every single week about basically how much we hate Jose Mourinho. Uh, if uh, if uh, listeners didn't catch our, our bonus edition, uh, emergency special podcast on Mourinho, go back and listen to that one. That's 45 minutes of ranting. We don't need to do that anymore. We're going to have to change the name of this podcast because the good times are back. Do you think, though, what we should do is uh, install a kind of um, a sort of metaphorical swear jar? And every time you feel tempted to mention Mourinho's name, you just don't. We just move on and never, never speak about him again. Yeah. Or, or maybe, the, maybe we'll start. He's that. the manager whose name we cannot say. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should start that next week because we we'll do the comparisons to the Mourinho era this week and then leave those in the past where they belong and take things on their own terms. Ghosts of Christmas past, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, 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 look, I mean, um, we, we're going to have periods under Ollie over the next six months. I mean, it's not good, I'm sure. Uh, United are going to lose games. This group of players uh, is much better than Mourinho was, was uh, you know, getting out of them. Uh, but there are there are flaws in this squad for sure, uh, and it's going to be there are going to be difficult t- times to come. But Oli, in my my view, has done absolutely everything right in his first week. He's just brought back positivity and said, "Go out there and play." So um, we did the uh, the emergency missive. We'd finished recording the podcast on the Monday. Uh, after the Liverpool game, and it was so... I mean, it was the most doom-filled podcast we've ever done, just because just because it didn't see... It seemed like there was no chance he was going to get sacked, and it felt so miserable to be... You know, it felt like nothing was going to change. Then we did the emergency show, and the emergency show was, like, pleased that he'd gone, but actually, at that point, there was, like, Laurent Blanc was the front runner, and I was very distressed about the possibility of Laurent Blanc taking over at Man United. And then... Probably like half an hour after we finished recording, people started saying Ollie. And I was like, what? As if it was like not a serious thing at first. And then it starts bubbling. The whispers. Can you hear the drums? Ollie gonna solsha. Ollie gonna solsha. It's coming. The, the the sounds building. I start hearing it from places other than just like Twitter and stuff. And people start telling me this is this is really being worked on. And you start to think, no, is this really going to happen? And then Mike Field is coming home, baby! <laughs> the dream <laughs> team of Ali Gunnar Solskjaer and Mickey the Shorts feeling, Mike more than a feeling, absolutely amazing. Just the, the insane level of feel-good factor. So before we talk about the games, um, let's have our say on the decision to wait and appoint a manager in the summer and the decision on who the interim manager is, what that means. And of course, the discussion that everyone's having, what does he have to do to keep the job? Yeah, well, my view is that he's not he's not going to get the job full time unless United can't get Pochettino or another big name European manager. I'm, I'm positive that Woodward will want to go there. The, the noises coming out of the Pochettino camp are pretty positive, aren't they? You know, it's his job if he wants it. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what Spurs are doing. And, you know, they're going to, I think, make a good fist of chasing down Liverpool or City uh, for the title. Uh, and the, you never know, they might even win it. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know if that actually matters for Pochettino. This is the next step in his career to take over the, 
an elite club, which I, you know I'm sure he wants to do. Uh, so so they're going to try and get Pochettino. Um, that's the long term plan. Oli will only get it if United are magnificent over the next few months and and they can't get another big name manager. But to put that aside, the decision to appoint him is it's probably the bravest thing that Woodward, the spineless that he is, has ever done at United. I mean, you know, I'm absolutely astounded that he's had this kind of vision because, or maybe it was just luck, I don't know, but I'm serious when I say Oli has done everything right. You know, this this wasn't about coaching great players. It wasn't even really about systems this week. It was just about positivity. He said in his first interview as manager, I don't care about the opposition. I want to focus on us. I want to focus on getting the best out of us. Exactly right, you know? It's almost as if he's taken the Mourinho template and just flipped it around, done everything in the opposite way. You know, it's that, that scene in The Simpsons where uh, where um, uh, Homer finds his brother and his brother runs a, runs a car automaker. Uh, and, um, and uh, you know, there's an employee on the other end of the phone who's obviously, you know, being very rude about Homer Simpson. And uh, and uh, the brother says, OK, now say everything you said exactly opposite, you know, and the guy, and he puts him on speaker and he starts saying nice things and goes, yeah, and he's got, uh, you know, and his, his, his personal hygiene is beyond reproach, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, long way of saying, it's it just done everything differently. He's He's been... Super positive, he said. Clean slate. He's played attacking teams. He's 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 focused on United, not the opposition. It's all about proactivity. It's all about trying to score and win and and feel good and get the best out of this group of players. You know, it's 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 just awesome. Uh, and you know, I I know that things are going to there are going to be tough times. Um, and uh, I I you know, it, it's quite possible that. This kind of bump for this week will disappear, um, and and the flaws in the squad will will come out, and you know we've got Spurs coming up, and maybe we'll get smashed in that game, and the confidence will go, and uh, and it will be a difficult few months because the edge will go because you know they know this isn't the full time manager or whatever, right? It's quite possible, uh, but for now, for this week, Ollie's done everything he needed to do. Needed to do. You know, you mentioned Woodward's vision, and the thing that keeps jumping out to me is that this feels like... I know it didn't go very well last time Alex Ferguson picked a manager, but this, I mean, is Ed Woodward really following Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's career? Or is this like him saying, is this Fergie going, do you know what, do you know who might be able to do this? Because Fergie's always been really positive about Solskjaer as a manager. He gave him the job as a reserve team manager and all that sort of stuff, which is, you know, really prominent and important job in the structure of United. Um, so it felt a bit like that, especially when uh, Mick Phelan got the call as well. But but Solskjaer said the Mick Phelan thing was his decision. As soon as he heard he got the job, he rang, he tried to get hold of Mick Phelan, who was uh, coaching in um, in Burnley. Australia. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, but he was doing a coaching day in Burnley uh, that day. Um, yeah, our manager and our assistant manager are both on loan from like Mulder yeah. and Central Coast Mariners, which does that shouldn't be working, but it is. I, I know it's. I mean, it's completely nuts in terms of the uh, you know the the level at which these two guys are working. Um, feeling he's isn't he like technical director? There's not even a coach. Yeah, uh, and uh, Ollie's been you know Mulder manager for years and years and years, and they're a very small club, and they do pretty well. They finished second in the Norwegian 
league last season. Uh, so it, it is mental, both that United are loaning these guys and neither of them are working at a particularly high level at the moment. But they understand United. And one of the messages that came out uh, was that uh, after the, the West Ham game, Woodward had kind of dis- decided that something was desperately wrong at United. Uh, and he, yeah, the, the briefing was that he said, this is not United, this is not us. Mm. Well, you know, we talked about our West Ham game. That was, that was, that was Mourinho shouting from the rooftops, sack me. Mm. You know, that, that was a cry, desperate cry for help. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's just taken, it's taken a few weeks for Woodward to make that decision. He should have made it the day after West Ham. He should, although the timing is perfect for a manager to come in and get the run. You could imagine him looking at the run of fixtures and going, OK, get through to that Liverpool game. And then the new manager gets Cardiff, Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Newcastle, third round of the FA Cup. You know, that's that's a brilliant first four games to have for a new manager, isn't it? Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's a, of the next seven fixtures, it's only Spurs. Uh, of you know that's a big team, and of course, you know, like the, you know, the United's record against the bottom fourteen is actually very bad. Exactly. That's this is. I just did the full time Devils preview for the Bournemouth game, and one of the things I said on there is that this notion that it's only Cardiff, it's only Huddersfield. The the exact problem that we've had since Fergie left is the teams who you start with. You pre- you uh, you add the prefix it's only. You know that yeah. those those that's where the problem has been. Um, done all right against the big teams under Van Gaal and, and latterly under Mourinho for for some of the time. So, you know, it's... it's Anyway, the decision was a kind of really bold one and, and the feel-good factor was instant. You know, um, Andy Thomas writing in SB, SB Nation said that Woodward was trying to weaponise niceness um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, that Ollie has incredible stats when it comes to just getting it. Um, and, you know, the amount of times that Solskjaer has, re- has referenced what United is, what United should be, what United players are like, and, and the fact that he has, um, as you said, he's, he's done everything right. One of, the, one of the things that he's done beautifully is make it so clear that this current group of United players who a week earlier Roy Keane had been saying there's seven or eight of them not good enough in the first team he Ollie has made it really clear that this group of United players are United players you know yeah no that's right yeah and he's talked about individuals as well but entirely positively I mean I, I don't remember Mourinho saying anything good about any of the players ever you know, if it, if it was victory, it was his victory. Uh, if it was defeat, it was the players. Uh, but but um, Oli has, has talked about individuals and wanting to get the best out of them, and he's talked about the collective. It's, it's like a fan has taken over, a fan with some actual managerial, uh, you know, qualities rather than just a bunch of opinions pulled out of their asses uh, <laughs> and people who talk on a podcast about it, you know? So, um it, it's it, it, we talk, we talked about the vision from Woodward. I just I just find it astounding. I'm still blown away that Woodward has done this because honestly, he's such a weak uh, chief executive. He's so weak. You know, I, I work with a lot of leaders um, from around the world in my real job, uh, and you know, I just don't recognise a lot of leadership qualities in him. Uh, you know, the briefings always come out. Oh, he's so intelligent, and he's you know. He's, he can be ruthless when he wants, and he's got great vision. I, maybe that's true on a commercial level. Maybe he's a great sales director. 
but as a CEO, as a as a someone to inspire people, I just don't see this from him. I see him as being, you know, fundamentally flawed. But this was this was stunning. This is you know, I just couldn't. I I, I would not have been surprised at all if they had appointed Lauren Blanc because he's he'd been seen as a safe pair of hands. Absolutely, and this is you know, Solskjaer is anything but a safe choice. I mean, it's safe in the sense that you you guarantee yourself a substantial honeymoon period because the fact that it's been 180 minutes of football and United have not stopped singing his name. You know, I mean, okay, yeah, the football helped, but um but that's all you're guaranteed. Now, I have to say, um a big massive shout out to long-time listener Flat Cap Sam who me and him used to exchange emails of way back in the Moisey days, which was Solskjaer's first season at Mulder, I think, as well. Um, or maybe that was the season before. But Sam was always absolutely adamant Solskjaer should definitely be the United manager one day because he just has something about him. And I remember the documentary that MUTV made about him uh, and his his, uh, his first spell at Mulder. And it was very clear that something about him is an extremely accurate description i mean i have to say he has looked quite nervous i thought since he's taken over very understandable but he's looked a little bit nervous in press conferences he's looked a little bit nervous on the touchline but he hasn't had too much cause to be nervous for too long because um right at the beginning of all of this the football started and marcus rashford scored an absolute screamer within four minutes of the oligogonna solskjaer <laughs> i mean what a start that was! Just just before we get onto the game, just uh, as as rumours were going around that he was going to become the interim manager, there was that clip shared widely on social media of him sort of doing some coaching at Mulder and uh, talking to them about shooting. He was like, you know, and it was just it was just a, a beautiful thirty second clip, you know. Um, and the funniest bit, of course, he's he's got this Manchester stroke Norwegian accent. Yeah. You know, he's he's like that. Sorry for being uh, generalising here, uh, my Scandi friends. Uh, he's like he was like the Swedish chef, you know, crossed with like Bez or something <laughs> like that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it was it's hilarious. It's um, the, and, it's... and he's going shoot, shoot. F- Shoot, shoot, shoot. Um, uh, and you, you can see that he's got something about him. I mean, there's confidence there. He's not He's not a wallflower, is he? And right. uh, and people do say that. You know, he might be nice, but he's got some steel. And I think he'll grow into this. Uh, you know, wh- whether he's a brilliant tactician, uh, whether he can command the respect of the players at this sort of elite level, uh, whether he he's got the vision to shape a team and and create a, a style all of his own, I don't know. You know, it's it's hard to say whether that's true or not. From Mulder, we can get some we can get some clues in terms of tactics, but you know, the Norwegian uh, first division is quite a drop in quality, uh, and uh, and you know, it's one of those ones where everyone beats everyone a lot, right? So it's just completely different, but. But you know, I feel like there's just something about him. Anyway, um, the the I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That that's just that's exactly how it feels. He's just he does have some sort of it factor for sure. And you know, you mentioned respect to the players. And okay, his playing career isn't Zinedine Zidane's playing career, but domestically won absolutely everything and was an integral part of doing it, including 
quite literally scoring, you know, one of the single most important goals in United's history. And that right. was, was not an isolated incident, that goal. You know, um, he he scored a lot of goals for United and and was very highly respected at United for a decade, you know, um, or more. So, and, and, and actually, this is something I remember thinking a lot during the, the Moyes era, and... The, the thing that Moyes struggled with the most was not getting the club. The thing that Van Hal struggled with the most was not getting the club. And boy, oh boy, the, the last geezer. And not, I mean, listen, let's not even go there. Um, this is not the be all and end all for a manager. But if you don't get the club, you're putting yourself on the back foot at a significant disadvantage. Yeah. Solskjaer knows knows he he really it's not trivial and negligible and yada to think that getting the club matters it's oh it matters it, it definitely matters and I, I know that this the united way or something like that is you know it's, it's a bit of a myth of course but but he understands this club 11 years at, at united he, he's seen it all um he understands what it means to win if there was David Priest on um, one of his uh, podcasts was saying that uh, Paul Pogba will see him as the reserve manager. Well, if if Pogba has a problem with um, Oli Solskjaer and doesn't respect him highly enough, and I don't think that's going to be true, Oli can say six Premier League titles, yeah. the Champions League, you know, ten major trophies. You show me your medals. Yeah, I mean, he's then, won then it all. He's won him. it all. Pogba will show him the World Cup and the Serie A, and Pogba's got some medals, you know. <laughs> He's doing all right, considering his age, isn't he? Um, all right, so let's let's talk about the, the football. And uh, the one thing that I want to say first off is, um, yep, there is definitely some trying for the manager, but the people that just put that down to the players are down tooled under Mourinho. It's like they're not watching the same game because... The, the story of that Cardiff game was tactical freedom and uh, and fullbacks pushed a long way up the pitch. Like oh yeah, and and one other thing, one other thing, pressing. Yeah. Oh the yeah. High, absolutely. The high press. I mean, he he said. I mean, that that quote where he said, "I don't care if you lose the ball as long as you work hard to get it back." Honestly, I had I really genuinely had slight tears in my eyes when he said that because because the the amount that that's what United need to hear the, the the best analysis of anyone that I've heard talking about this game so far was Wayne Rooney um who was astonishingly forthright I know you were traveling Ed so you probably haven't seen the BT Sport coverage but um Wayne Rooney was in the studio and he first of all if you read between the lines of what he said he clearly didn't have a lot of time for Jose Mourinho. That's extremely evident. Maybe you could say, well, he's the one that moved Rooney out. So, you know, maybe that is, there's a personal agenda there. But but the way he talked about the way the players would be feeling, you don't have to, you hardly have to read between the lines. But, you know, he talked about Mourinho wanting his uh, two holding midfielders to be deep and especially wanting his fullbacks to be close to his centre-backs. And mm-hmm. this was a game which showed you you know, listen, Paul Pogba dallies on the ball sometimes because he he is a bit like that. But how many times did he dally on the ball because he didn't have good options ahead of him? In this game, there was not there was hardly a time when the United player was in the opposition third and didn't have an option. I mean, it's wonderful, isn't it? After 
the Mourinho Van Hal era is sometimes we have five or six players ahead of the ball. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's stunning. We just That just does not happen at United. Yeah. I, I, again, I told this... I, I told this story on a, on a full-time Devils thing too. It's repeating all my material here. Um, but remember being, uh, I went as press to the Carrick testimonial and I got a little bit emotional seeing two fullbacks up the pitch because Fergie managed the all-star, the you know, Michael Carrick's all-star 11 or whatever, the, the, the 2008 reunion that it was. And and both the pullbacks, it was a testimonial, so obviously it doesn't matter. But both the fullbacks stayed up the pitch the whole time. It's just like, oh my gosh, I've missed this so much. Um, and and it was, you know, that was the absolute. It was so obvious that the fullbacks had complete freedom to push up. The centre backs had freedom to carry the ball forward, and like and and just. The... Yeah, Victor Lindelof has turned into you know, <laughs> Barese, hasn't he? You know, <laughs> world class overnight. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's great. He, he did exactly what he needed, which was give the creative players that United have, and we've got a lot of creative attacking players, freedom to go and create an attack. Uh, and and he's just you know he's just loosened up the tactics. Now he's going to expose a problem because it's the one that Mourinho is most fearful about, which is that Nemanja Matic is not a good screen. He's just not a good defensive midfielder uh, anymore. Maybe he was in his younger days, but not anymore. He hasn't got the legs. Um, and and we have a bit of an underbelly in, in uh, the centre-back region, you know, players getting out of position a lot. So, And that was exposed, uh, especially in Huddersfield's goal the other day. Um, and, and United will concede, and that will be a problem in the matches against better opposition. For sure, right? So this is what Mourinho is most concerned about, and it's United's weakness. And if if Woodward wants to continue in the vein of of uh, vision, he will release funds for um, uh, you know at, at a minimum a, a great central defender. But I think even more important, um, uh, although less obvious, is a great defensive midfielder. You know, the rumor is that he's only going to allow loans to come in, uh, and because because. I guess they're chasing Poch and they want Poch to sign off on the players he wants. But um, that that's, you know, that's the biggest flaw uh, and it may be exposed in, in more difficult games to come. But in terms of attacking freedom, Oli's done everything we needed. And let us, let the team worry about the weak underbelly and the vulnerability to the counter-attack in games where you're not going to score five, you know? And, and let us worry about that against big teams, but let's not worry about it against Cardiff and Bournemouth and Newcastle and Huddersfield, which is what Mourinho oh, was sure. doing. And what, what, what would Mourinho put out against Cardiff? You know, well, it's an away game, probably three at the back with two screening. But funnily enough, uh, in terms of personnel, it wasn't super different. The, the obvious difference is that Pogba came back into the fold and was absolutely superb. I mean, Martial won man of the match and, and he was electric against Cardiff. Um, uh, poorly, of course, for the next game. Jesse Lingard scored the two goals, was 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 brilliant too. Victor Lindelof was excellent. But man of the match really was Paul Pogba. Like, just absolutely pulling strings in the centre of midfield at like 100 touches or something. I haven't got the data in front of me, but put up massive numbers in that game and was hugely influential. So that that was big. But generally speaking, the personnel was not a million miles away from the Mourinho team. It, it you know, Matic played. Um, the it, it was, it it could, it, Young played at fullback, for example. You know, the, the, 
this there wasn't a revolution in terms of the selection, was it? But it was just a revolution in terms of what the players were allowed to do on the pitch or felt allowed to do on the pitch. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, those those key things we've pointed out. Pressing when, when United are not off the ball, um, but recognising, you know, so defending from the front, not from the back, as Mourinho wanted to do. Mourinho, you're right, defends with a narrow back four and a low block. Ole's going to defend with a with a, a wide back four and a high block. Um, and so there's that change. There's there's uh, putting Pogba in the position that he really wants to play, which is, you know, the creative number 10, effectively. Um, you know, not a classic, not a classic number 10, but in the way Pogba does it. Um, and attacking players ahead of him. And, and he's mixed and matched a little bit in those two games in terms of the attacking players. But it's, a, you know, an attacking front three. Um, and uh, just... Just small changes, but there's the small changes that we really needed, especially in games like this. Yeah, you know, there's there's every chance under Mourinho, United lose this game or a super narrow. You know, of course, and and almost no chance that it's five, given that we haven't scored five since. I mean, that's hilarious, isn't it? Isn't that just that wasn't that just the icing on the cake that we made it five to really like put a rubber stamp on the the fact that like this is something new now because we hadn't scored five since Mick Phelan's last game. So uh, consecutive five goal performances for Mick Phelan's Man United, 2,083 days apart, which is like <laughs> an amazing statistic. Well, he claimed success for the last six years, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he was right. Maybe it is all about McFeelan. Um, of course, you know, the, the, the data doesn't show that's a five-goal performance. Um, Martial's finish was incredible. That that finish for, for that goal. That goal, that goal was just sumptuous. The the one and two touch passing and moving. Uh Lingard was trying to get the ball to Rashford, but Martial was like, nah, son, and flicked it out of his feet and and with the most Solshire-esque finish you're ever gonna see, passed oh, it into the corner that there was no chance the the keeper could get it. But the, the Rashford goal is an element of fortune, obviously, and the Herrera goal, a massive element of fortune, but it just all felt right. I, I don't know whether Rashford's an element of fortune. I mean, he's gone with the knuckleball free kick. That's classic Ronaldo. It's, you know, it's, yeah, they, it's, they it's, don't go in that often, do they? <laughs> no, 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 no. It is very low XG on that one, um, uh, as you'd imagine. <laughs> Um, but uh, he's definitely got it in him. I mean, it's it's just it's three worldies to start off the Oli era. Well, the the Herrera one. When I first saw it, I made a loud noise of a very high pitched loud noise of excitement. It's it's one of those where you're slightly disappointed to watch the replay and see the massive deflection because you hope it's just a straightforward worldie, you know. No, it's it's a little deflection. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, under Mourinho, you'd have been like, "Yeah, oh, it's a scrappy, lucky goal. It's the only way we're going to score." Um, yeah, yeah, the agenda is well, strong. That, the agenda is yeah clear. Um, and the Martial goal uh, that we replayed a lot. I mean, United just haven't over the last few years scored goals like that. But all of these players are you know great with one touch football. They're all great. Yeah, bring it out of them. Beginning of last season, there was there was quite a lot of that sort of stuff when you know Mkhitaryan had five assists in the first four games of the season or whatever it was, that that little 4 nil FC period, we were scoring some very really nice goals, um, but not really since then at all. Now, one of the things, sorry, to sound a slight note of caution, is, of course, the return of Romelu Lukaku is going to change some of this and not necessarily for the better. So that's going to be fascinating, but we'll talk about that in the preview bit. Um, 
the uh, then Jesse Lingard stepped up. It was definitely a penalty. I thought um, Cardiff. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, it, down the back of his leg uh, for sure. Yeah. Cardiff protested about that one a lot, didn't they? They did. Um, but but for me, yeah, a solid penalty. And then Lingard's last goal. Beautiful through ball from Pogba. Lovely movement from Jesse Lingard and a very fine, fully confident finish to round off just just a day of abundance and joy. Just, you know, honestly, to be looking at the United bench and thinking, oh, I really love this manager and there's real sort of hope and optimism and joy here. It's such a nice feeling. Because I, I sort of quite liked Louis van Gaal and I was prepared to stick in there for a, a, a good while, but it just got so self-evidently atrocious and he was like getting more and more entrenched in his atrociousness. But Moise and Mourinho, you know, feel quite a strong personal antipathy for. So to have a manager who you just is just absolutely kind of beloved figure, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, there, there's some uh, fortune in terms of, United scoring three worldies uh, for the first three goals against Cardiff, for sure, you know, and that's helped with a really big scoreline. But but all the data is great. I mean, you talked about Pogba. Uh, he's got two assists in that game. He's created three other chances. United had 74% possession. And Pogba's put up huge numbers two games in a row. Um, and, and huge numbers, not just, uh, and this will really kill Mourinho, not just attacking numbers. He had four interceptions and you know three tackles and stuff like that as he's, well. I he's mean, he's a number eight. Like he, he's a midfielder. You know that he really is a midfielder. He's just not a number six, and nor should he be. No, no, he's not a number six. He's a he's a. I think he's he's more like an eight and a half. I was going to say number nine, but that means something different, doesn't it? <laughs> so he's somewhere somewhere in between a, an eight and a, a ten. Um, because he definitely, you know, bends towards um, the creative side of things rather than the defensive side of things. But you know, I think that's okay in the system that Oli's set up. He doesn't need to go and defend now if United are out of possession and and that's going to help the team. He can do that and he will do that, as we saw um, uh, with with France, where he was much more conservative in terms of how he was used uh, during the World Cup. He he can do it, and clearly, and this is going to trigger a lot of people clearly he had down tools um against uh you know for Mourinho because they had such a a poor relationship Ollie in his first the first question he got about Pogba said oh he's happy now <laughs> I thought it was mm. <laughs> there was some subtext to that but uh but you know happy Paul Pogba is going to be a great Paul Pogba and and Mourinho, I just don't. It's mental how much Mourinho caused his own problems. Yeah, every, um, except- he, he didn't have to destroy this relationship with Paul Pogba. He could have worked out if he if he'd suddenly found more than one tool. And unfortunately, all he's got is a hammer. If he'd found more than one tool as a manager and got Pogba on his side, what a what a bonus he'd have got there. He'd have got the world class player that we know Pogba can be. Yep. And maybe he's going to show that over the next few months. Here's hoping. And uh, by the way, Gary Neville, you can do one and all, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think Neville's got it wrong here. Neville's got it wrong. He's he's uh, he's bought into the narrative that Mourinho's people have uh, tried to peddle. And a lot of United fans have, have got this as well. You know, there's still now a lot of United fans saying, we want Pogba out too. 
Um, uh, Samuel Luckhurst, you can do one and all. I'm just going. I'm just going through my list. It's Gary Neville, Sam, Samuel Luckhurst. Anyone else? That's that's mostly them. It's mostly the two of them. Um. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'd be happy to go, have Gary on the show if he wants to come no, on he's and explain his. Oh, no, his he's band. banned from Rankcast. Gary Neville, that that you can do one and all. That's what earned you the ban, son. You never you never coming on here. <laughs> oh dear um uh yeah it was it was interesting that that post that came out um uh Pogba's people say that uh it was a, a scheduled post and really nothing to do with Mourinho it comes out what half an hour after the announcement Mourinho's being sacked on Instagram and and Twitter uh with uh him looking somewhat what pensive and uh and uh saying caption this doing the side eye but it was part of the Pogmoji advertising campaign yeah i like i like luke shaw put in when you answer when you accidentally post something on instagram <laughs> his uh celebration of pogba's goal it's good uh so let's should we move on to uh i mean we've talked a lot about how in in between the two games ollie said all the right things um he was saying that actually there, there might be a little bit more structure to the team um it's in an, in the attacking third because he had not had a lot of time with the players and there was a lot of movement and interchange um I wanted to just be on the one thing else I want to say about the Cardiff game is that Fred looked like peak Iniesta for the 15 minutes he came on now it couldn't have been easier for him but my goodness he looked lively and bright um in that and it was clearly enough to earn him a start against Huddersfield not sure he yeah, fully it- took advantage of that but no some of it you know he does some good stuff uh, I, I think he's still to find his position as a United player he's he's looked at times out of his depth I think um at United and and Mourinho struggled to find a role for him because he's clearly a more forward thinking player um than Mourinho was comfortable with uh, you know I it's a it's a cliche because I've said it a bunch of times but him and and Herrera are competing for a place I think um not not him and uh Matic we really do need competition for Matic because there isn't any in the squad um, and uh, you know we'll see whether we get something out of Fred this this second half. I, I don't. I have to say I don't understand why United bought him. What was it we needed? Mourinho was looking for in that position when you know, and you're going to spend fifty million, and and what he really wanted was a central defender. Yes, yeah, very. Strange. Why? Wh- why buy a a sort of all round midfielder? Very strange. And um, the Huddersfield game was a very different affair to Cardiff. First of all, Old Trafford sounded amazing. I was like scrambling around trying to get a ticket because I had, of course, turned down the option of getting a ticket to the game on Boxing Day when I thought Mourinho was going to be the manager. I was just like, I don't want to go and drive for ages and be freezing cold and miserable on Boxing Day. And then it was like, uh, anyone, uh, anyone? No? Okay, no, fair enough. No one's got a ticket. That's fine. I don't deserve uh, one. It, it wasn't It wasn't full, actually. I mean, it's interesting. There should have been tickets. I, I'm travelling. Um I meant to say this at the beginning of the show. If the audio is not great, it's because I'm on a lav mic rather than a full setup this time. I'm in the States, so I couldn't have gone. But I'd have driven up to Old Trafford and just got a ticket outside the ground <laughs> if, if needed. I mean, you know, anyway. Maybe I should have um, done that. But but it sounded, the atmosphere sounded amazing. I've been watching everyone's Instagram videos and stuff of, of the inside of the ground and they're just uh, the ole ole chant ringing out from the Stretford end in the way that you know when you know when the chant really rings out from the Stretford end and you get that kind of those harmonics of of the, when it hits a certain volume and it doesn't sound muffled it sounds so clear and crisp 
Uh, it's one of the best sounds in the world, that is. Um, and then the performance was interesting because actually Huddersfield were a more robust proposition than Cardiff, which was a little bit surprising. And they had a very defensive mindset, I think. And although they, they actually troubled United a few times early on, they had a very big chance, the one that sort of landed in front of the guy just outside the six-yard box with yeah. basically the whole goal to aim at, and he uh, he skied over. Um, but once we scored... And then especially in the second half after the, the substitutions, we looked we looked electric again. Um, That's right. I mean, a lot of possession, but a lot of chances created for United uh, and, uh, and, you know, and a good Huddersfield side that put up a, a good test. I mean, they, they, are, they have struggled a bit this season. Um, you know, Mini Klopp is, uh, is not quite doing as well as his, uh, his mentor. Um, they they obviously don't have the quality of player uh, of United, but they had um, both that chance you talked about and and also the worldie that Dave's pulled off at at two one. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, mm, two nil maybe. Um, and uh, so two nil because two nil because yeah. they didn't score till three nil. That's right. Yeah. So um, and that could have changed things as well. So you know, a good test for United, but. But United's numbers are great again, you know, 65% possession, 16 shots. How many times do we have 16 shots? Not a lot. Um, You know, winning tackles, winning the aerials. uh, uh, Fred's pretty dynamic, you know, not not his best ever performance, but pretty dynamic. There was one one absolutely sumptuous pass out wide from Fred. So it was like... I mean, he's got it. If if, if United want to play one-touch football, attacking one-touch football, he's going to be good in that you know if if you're going to ask him to be a second covering midfielder he's not going to be so good yeah and, and talking about covering midfielders you know I've been very critical of Nemanja Matic because I don't think he's a very good screen in a game like this he's going to look good because he doesn't have to do an awful lot of defending brilliant against Cardiff um, as well brilliant yeah and and his part his range of passing is very good you know he's it's just he's just a strange player because he hasn't got the defensive side of his game anymore um, uh, but he was good. He obviously scored the opening goal, uh, which juiced his numbers a little bit. Um, by the way, uh, that opening goal, which I had forgotten until I watched match of the day this morning, the opening goal came from the Pogba free kick because the Pogba whipped in a free kick and it was it um, like a direct free kick and, and it looked like really good, but it just clipped the wall and went out for a corner and it was from that corner that we scored. So yet more influence from Pogba in a game in which he was not short of influence, it's fair to say. Can we talk about the second goal, please? Oh, talk about that second goal. Let's talk about the second goal. Uh, I mean, it, it was kind of similar to the Cardiff goal, but this time it featured Juan Mata um, using his dribbly wing wizard skills uh, on the edge of the box. Um, oh, like, right, um, not on the edge of the box, but cutting in all the way to the byline, finding Herrera, Herrera finds Pogba, goal. And all the lead up to Mata getting the ball was really good as well. Um, Pogba's movement to get himself in the right position and his finish was obviously brilliant. Herrera's kind of intelligence and speed of thought to pick Pogba out. Um, and Mata's kind of endeavour and strength and balance. Um, just just stunning and such an, such an enjoyable and united goal to watch. It was. And then the third goal, um, you've got to love the celebration there. That, <laughs> I mean, people are going to be triggered by that for sure. But the Cantona-esque celebration after Pogba just stroked it home. He passed it into the bottom corner. From I mean, that, that, that's what you've got. I mean, he's just such a phenomenal midfielder. He's, he's, Pogba, 
playing like this is in the top five midfielders in the world. He's such a massive asset to United. Uh, and he can get better and he can do even more. Uh, and he just he just needs a manager that is going to get the best out of him. I mean, a lot of people, they don't like it. They think a player should be self-motivated, that just by putting on the shirt and playing for the shirt, that's enough, you know? And... But that's not that's not in the modern player, you know. It's, it's not. It's also it's also, by the way, not not, not the old players exactly. either. I mean, you know, like let's let's look at was Ronaldo that was Beckham that? No, sir. No. no. Did they put in stunning performances, world class performances for United? Yes. Bobby Charlton you know? down tools for Wilf McGuinness. Like this is this is not new. Um, it's it's really not new. Bobby Charlton down tools for Wilf McGuinness. Is is he was he a, a, a kind of preeming prima donna preening prima donna? No, 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 sir. He was not. And and it, it, the 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 narrowness of vision that people like. There is no reasonable means to expect Pogba to have been performing to his best under the the regime, given the way he was treated, given the way the team was set up. Like at every level, man management, no chance. Would Fergie have handled Pogba like that? Not even a thought. Like in, in a dressing room with Roy Keane in it, people would have been polite to Paul Pogba. Like, yeah, of course, people would have given out to him if he wasn't putting in a shift. But like Roy Keane loved Cristiano Ronaldo, for example. It, 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 it's so reductive the way these things are approached. You can't manage Pogba like Mourinho managed Pogba and have a chance of getting any getting a tune out of him, just like you couldn't with Eden Hazard or Ronaldo himself at Real Madrid, who completely fell out with Mourinho. Yeah, right, right. Um, is it, it? I mean, uh, maybe it's a conversation for another day. I I don't know where Mourinho goes after this. I mean, he's not going to get a job at any of the elite European clubs. All I'm uh, all now. I'm all I'm saying is of all the funny tweets that people have sent me this week, I think my very single favourite one was uh, during the five one when someone tweeted, "Now nah, you got to go around his house and sack him again." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do wonder what was Mourinho feeling. During that, you know, is he just still so arrogant and sure of himself that he didn't care? Um, because that it's got to hurt. It's got to if you've got any any sense of of self, that would have hurt. That the failure of your regime being rubbed in by this, you know, rookie manager uh, <laughs> taking his team to a stunning five-one win. I mean, I'm Oof. sure, I'm sure Mourinho would have would be saying over and over again, like writing on the walls of his house, "It's only Cardiff, it's only Cardiff, it's only Cardiff." You know, um, the, the, Mourinho doesn't. I don't. I'm not sure Mourinho has genuine self reflection in his locker. Not real, true self reflection, because everything about his public persona isn't isn't that. And this is, you know, genuinely, I was, I was kind of joking about not talking about him after this episode, but in a way, I, what I want to do is is not necessarily make this show just that we use every opportunity to say we were right about Mourinho for the next six months. Um, but I do think there is some, this, you know, this show is the first one since he's gone, really. So he's going to come up a bit in this. But, but, but I think his personality is so fundamentally narcissistic at this point. And it, you know, he didn't reflect on his failures uh, when he left Chelsea last time. He, when he wore the Claudio Ranieri um, top, after, do you remember, after Ranieri got sacked, his next press conference, he had CR on his um, on his training top in the press conference because 
But that wasn't in solidarity with Claudio Ranieri. That's because he'd been sacked after winning the league and he thought it was a disgrace. But he deserved it because he completely wrecked that dressing room yet again. And instead of learning the lessons, he did the same, almost literally exactly the same thing again. I guess he'll either get the Real Madrid job if um, if Perez gets his way. Um, and if he does, there's no chance that's going to be successful. No, no, no. I mean, he would only be successful if he shipped out the egos. I mean, Ronaldo's not there, obviously. That helps. He, he would have to ship out uh, Ramos too. Yeah, uh, and Gareth Bale probably, and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so I think the Madrid job, you know, apparently still wants him. I, if I was Mourinho, I would go to a a team with a with a high ceiling, but who've been underperforming for a good while. Who you who can see themselves as underdogs, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and his system suits suits uh, suits an underdog uh, for sure. You know, not not a team that needs to have seventy five percent possession and go on the attack. Anyway, should we talk a little bit about the Huddersfield game? Anything more to say? Um, I mean, yeah, just that that Pogba goal, the second Pogba goal. Of course, it was amazing from Pogba, but one of the reasons that goal happened was because of movement off the ball, which has been mm-hmm. another absolutely defining quality of the difference between the last two performances and what we've seen for the rest of this season. Just players moving off the ball, and that drags, yeah, including central defenders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it drags it drags defenders out. It drags opposition defenders out of shape. Uh, the the other the other things that De Gea save was magnificent and. The goal was a, a stupid one to concede, but it's hard to care yeah, too I'm, much. Yeah, very bad defensively. I mean, Pogba's lost out in the header. That's okay. That happens. Um, but uh, Lindelof hasn't covered. So I think it's his error. error. Um, but he looked very good in that game, Lindelof. Has done for the last couple of games. He's looked good for the last few weeks, hasn't he? I yeah, think he we has. Have a, we have a good player in there and he's he's maturing, but that was definitely a mistake. It's interesting that that um, he's gone with Lindelof and Jones as his starting centre-back pairing um, to kind of start off with. And it does make sense because Phil Jones is good like 90% of the time and then okay five percent of the time and absolutely staggeringly atrocious five percent of the time and and um and then except uh sorry do all the maths to reduce that down to a total of 50 percent and then injured 50 percent of the time because <laughs> um, that's that's what it really is but you know he's uh he's a he's got some he's clearly got quality as a defender it's just it doesn't terrible things are going to happen if you play Phil Jones, aren't they, at some point? Well, I mean, it's, I'm sorry, and, and I promise I will stop doing this after this this, this episode, uh, but I, I, I've just got to wonder, what the hell was Mourinho doing? This is a man who's supposed to be a defensive mastermind, and he just hasn't been able to manage to get the best out of players who have got qualities, you know? So it's one of the most damning things in Mourinho. Can you point to the players that have improved under him? Jesse. You know, Jesse. Jesse. Jesse, that's it. And and was that to do with Mourinho's coaching or was this just a player that is a late bloomer? Well, Lingard himself, uh, it was one of the, I think, total of four players who um, mentioned uh, Mourinho on social media after he was got sacked, which is a staggeringly low number, by the way, um, under the circumstances. So Lingard said thanks for all the advice. Um, Eric Bailly, because Eric Bailly is amazing, was like, whatever they might might say, I'm still going to say thank you. And then if you swipe right on the picture and you see the second picture, it's the one of Mourinho squirting him with water. So that was good. Um, 
I can't remember who the third one was. And then Angel Gomez said, thank you for giving me my debut. Because, of course, he did give him his debut. Um, but that was two seasons ago now. And then I don't think he played at all last season. But he did come on because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is extremely aware of the PR side of the things. Um, but I think also genuinely believes in giving these players a chance. So we had um, mm-hmm. Pogba, Gomez, Lingard, Rashford as the front four a.k.a. all United Academy products. <laughs> Everything right from the PR perspective. Yeah. Everything right. I mean, it's it's interesting. Transfer windows coming up. I said that the, the rumour is United will only get um, uh, loans. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Poch has already signalled that he's prepared to come and, and uh, there'll be players uh you know lined up but but united had been looking at central defenders you know nikola milenkovic fiorentina's sort of young central defender a very high quality uh player i'd say and kubai's you know better known uh, napoli uh would cost a huge amount of money but but probably one of those top five central defenders in the world so you know maybe maybe they'll be bold enough to do that in the meantime, Ollie's got to get the best out of what he's got, you know, and he's he's got a lot of talent in Lindelof that's coming. I wonder whether he'll try and use um, use Bailly at all because we know we've got a very good player there as well, you know, and a risk, of course, but no more of a risk than than Jones exploding or Smalling doing a you know, brain fart. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, there's there's something he's got to work with, Ollie. There, um, it's uh, it's it's an unknown quantity. We've uh, in terms of his coaching and his qualities, we've seen uh, what he's done from an attacking sense and what he's done from a defensive sense as the collective. Um, can he can he get the best uh, from individuals um, defensively? Don't know, but it's definitely it's definitely what United need to work on. I mean, there's a huge gap still to the top four. It's what, eight points or something now. Um, some results have gone our way. Uh, we need more of those, and and we need to beat all our closest rivals in the next few months to to be in with a chance. Um, and those will be really telling games. Yeah, you know, one of the reasons I was so, I believe I said this after Liverpool, one of the reasons I was so down on the idea of United breaking into the top four is, is that our own results would be so inconsistent. We wouldn't be able to take advantages of, of drop points. And, and, you know, that might still turn out to be the case. This might all be honeymoon period, but I like our chances of picking up points a lot more than I did because if if this is going to be the way we play never mind the united way the aesthetic preference never mind any of that it's clearly the best option for the squad we've got i mean i don't that just seems inarguable to me they try and make this squad play um tight safe football you they can't they haven't got it in them but what they do have in them is incredibly brilliant expressive attacking football and um that's going to sometimes go wrong. But I I do think we are going to pick up a lot of points in the games that we're supposed to pick up points in between now and the end of the season. And maybe that's an overreaction to two games worth of data, but um, it's certainly looking a lot more promising than it did. It is. It is. The feel-good factor stretched all the way to Norway as well with the Norwegian Prime Minister. (laughs) Uh, First, revealing that Ollie had taken the job before United revealed Ollie had taken the job. No, it was was after United had revealed it, to be fair, but United uh, had a little CMS issues there. They published something that I don't think no one was supposed to hit publish on. Yeah, I know. We've all been there. Uh, We we have all been there. It It was kind of funny. 
Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I guess it's a proud moment for for Norway. Um, uh, but by the way, uh, uh, Mulder released a statement saying, uh, "No, he's only on loan. He's definitely coming back." Uh, but it was also, um, uh, yeah, and United have paid like a one point eight million pounds loan fee, and they've also agreed the permanent transfer fee, uh, which is eight million pounds. So. You know, if 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 uh, the stars aligned, Oli could be, become United's permanent manager. I still I still think it's unlikely, but um, you never know. And uh, you know, they're setting it all up there. Yeah, I mean, you do that, don't you? That that's just sensible to do that because why would why wouldn't you include that fee in case you know? I was going to say in case he wins the Champions League, but I don't really mean that much. I mean, it would be unbelievable, but in case it all goes right is is more accurate. And mm. as the weeks progress, we'll have we'll have this conversation because I'm sure every other Twitter question we get between now and the end of the season is going to be, what would Ollie have to do to keep the job permanently, you know? In fact, um, because of the travel times and stuff, we haven't got it together to ask for Twitter questions this week. But what I expect is that every other Twitter qu- question between now and the end of the season is just going to be, what does Ollie have to do to keep the job? So um, we, we'll definitely, we mentioned that a little bit earlier, but we've definitely, we'll definitely have plenty of time to cover that. Um, so what we also should cover is the fact that I'm, I, this is so fun. I'm so happy, Ed, because as I'm about to say these words, I'm genuinely like excited and looking forward to the, like I woke up this morning. It was like, ah, oh, it's like three days till United play again. Um, let's preview, preview the two games coming up. So it is Bournemouth first and then, uh, and then Newcastle uh, between, and then we're going to record a podcast again immediately after the Newcastle game um, on, uh, which is on Wednesday. So Bournemouth is on Sunday. Um, this Christmas period, it's sort of, um, it hasn't seemed completely crazy. There's been like a four day break between every game. Um, it, it doesn't seem to have been as as kind of squeezed as it normally is. Maybe that's just where the days of the week have fallen this year. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean Bournemouth, who just got tanked by uh, Tottenham. Tottenham side. Did, who, you, did you watch that I, game? I, um, I only saw the highlights. Uh, but uh, I mean, um, I mean, Spurs scored with every chance they got. Yeah, it seemed. <laughs> yeah, and Bournemouth got like a decent number of chances too, and and uh, and didn't score at all. That, that game, I, I didn't. Wa- I would just watch the highlights, and having watched the highlights, I then went and dug into the data because it didn't make any sense the scoreline. Um, and yeah, basically. Spurs scored with every chance they created. Uh, Weird stat on this one. Uh, Carl Walker-Peters, apparently the first uh, player of the Premier League era, the first double-barreled surnamed player of the Premier League era to get three assists in a game. (laughs) Great. That's a great stat. I mean, we are entering the age of double-barreled surname Premier League footballers, aren't we? Like, that is going to be the dominant paradigm of the next few years. Um, but, uh, But, yeah... The um, Spurs, that, that scoreline definitely flattered to deceive, but they are in absolute banging form. And I have to say, if they somehow do manage to win the league, Pochettino's not going to leave just after winning the league. Yeah, he will, because it's a bigger club he's moving to. Uh, I mean, you know, Spurs are paying off their stadium. It's, it's clear that, I mean, it, it, it's, it says something about what a good job he's doing. And I know we're going off script a little bit talking about Spurs, but he spent no money. You know, for all the moaning from Mourinho and his disciples, the truthers, that United haven't backed him, you know, Pochettino hasn't thrown a a tantrum about this. He's just worked with the players he's got. He's got very good players, but he's improved all of them. 
all of them. And I think, you know, it's it's just very telling about what a good coach he is. And he's got this Spurs side who are working on a, you know, a, a, a budget that is fractions of cities mm. uh, playing great football. Yeah, and they're outscoring us, which is which is something. <laughs> um, just to, just a drop back a little bit into the the uh, the Oli comparison uh, narrative. Let's compare him to uh, Guardiola. You know, two defeats for City during the Oli Gunnar Solskjaer era. A hundred percent win rate for Oli. Oli turns up at United. Guardiola goes. To <laughs> no coincidence. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, yes. Uh, so Bournemouth are when we last played them, they were in a nice little run of form. Um, they are not in a nice little run of form this time. Uh, they won. They've won one in the last six or something like that, I think. Um, and that was a pretty skanky victory. Um, they've they've not been creating chances, and they've they haven't been conceding tons of chances, I have to say. Um, but they have been obviously conceding a, a fair old number of goals. Um, this is completely reasonable for them. They're about where they're supposed to be. Well, they're probably above where they're supposed to be in the league in terms of their operating budget and all that sort of thing. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this game. They, they gave United big, big trouble in the first half of the game at Bournemouth uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and that was one of those comeback games where the players decided to completely ignore Mourinho's instructions and actually try and attack and then looked really good doing it for the second half. Um, but anyway, uh, this this time... It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it. I mean, they definitely have threats um, that you know that they got a lot more players I've heard of than either Cardiff or Huddersfield. Let's just say that. Yeah, and they've got some good players. I mean, um, David Brooks is a player who could, I think, go on to bigger things. Uh, Nathan Aki has grown as a as a central defender. Um, Callum Wilson uh, has been talked about, you know, moving to Chelsea in a really big. Um, really big uh transfer you know it might happen very very good player um junior stanislas is a good attacking midfielder they've, they've got some talent there um and eddie howe's done a very good job on a tiny timing i i i'm guessing they're probably the smallest budget in the premier league and mm, do you think they're uh, smaller smaller budget than cardiff i doubt it no uh, maybe not yeah but you know one of the smallest yeah um, so they, you know, he's he's working with what he's got, and he's trying to create a good team. Now, you know, they have just been annihilated by Spurs, um, so we'll be playing them um, not in great form. I mean, Newcastle have just been annihilated by Liverpool, so the the stars have definitely aligned for for Oli <laughs> um, uh, for United to go out and attack, and, and United should attack. A mention of you know, a mention of Ryan Fraser as well, who's got eight assists already this season. Um, well, that is a lot of assists um, yeah, at this yeah, stage yeah. of the season. Um, do, do you know who's got more assists than that? No, Paul Paul Pogba. Has he? Yeah, hasn't he? In the league this season. Well, he's got a lot for United this season. Uh, I believe he's been directly him. involved in more goals than any other midfielder in Europe now this season, which is hilarious and amazing. Um, no, he has five assists in the league this okay. season, but also five goals. All right. Um, I, I stand corrected. Yeah. He's got a lot, though. Yeah, he has. Marcus Rashford also has five assists in the league this season, which is nice. <laughs> oh, So let's talk about, a bit about United and how we're going to approach this game. I mean, um, the, the 
the chances are Sanchez, who has been literally putting videos of himself training to Eye of the Tiger montages on Instagram since Mourinho left, uh, someone said he's found his Twitter password again. <laughs> um, and someone else on the Touchline Fracker podcast, somebody said he uh, he uh, heard Mourinho got sacked and hopped on a plane back from Chile immediately. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but, but um, probably too soon for him. Uh, but Lukaku, of course, missed two games for compassionate leave um, reasons. So um, there's no fitness issue there, you'd imagine. I wonder whether he's going to come back in the side. And I definitely wonder how that's actually going to affect United. Um, I mean, I, I just wouldn't play him up front. I don't, I don't you know, he's, he's not in great form. Um, Marcus Rashford's looking like a good player in this, in this sort of fluid front three that... Um, uh, Oli wants to play it. I don't think he's earned a place in the side, Lukaku, and and it would change the dynamic a lot. I I, I wonder, and we've we've kind of floated this one before, whether it wouldn't be better playing Lukaku if you're going to play him in one of the wide positions. Yeah, I mean, you could play him wide right, couldn't you? And Solskjaer knows a little bit about attackers being played wide right, wide right when they probably shouldn't be, doesn't he? Um, so so maybe maybe he'll do that, but I I'd wonder whether he might actually just play Rashford left. Um, let Martial have one more game to recover and play Lukaku up front. I mean, you say he's not good in good form, and he's certainly not performance-wise. Um, he, he did score two goals in in a few games, didn't he? But I don't know. And and also, we would have said about a lot of players that they weren't in good form. I mean, Paul Pogba wasn't in good form, um, and he certainly is now. Uh, I mean, Martial should be back. I mean, he had a bit of food poisoning, didn't he? So uh, Oli blamed it on his chef. <laughs> Uh, so um, and, and he's United's top scorer. Yeah, I mean, I I I just think that also um, Solskjaer said, you know, it's the Christmas period. There'll be a lot of rotation. Everyone's going to get a chance. It's a clean slate for everyone. That's mm-hmm. surely got to apply to Romelu Lukaku, the seventy-five million pound centre forward. You're not going to mm-hmm. leave him out of the kind of clean slate conversation, are you? He's going to surely no. give him a try up there anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. And we'll we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but this is this is set up for United to attack. Oh yeah, hundred percent. This is this is exactly Bournemouth's weakness. Uh, Bournemouth are not going to go and defend. They're going to try and attack too. And uh, you know, I, I, God, you said it before. I'm really looking forward to this. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. So exciting. Four thirty Sunday. That one. And then we travel. Um, I say we. I'm not going anywhere. Man United travel uh, up to Newcastle on Wednesday the second. Um, for a cold Geordie evening game on the Wednesday. Um, that's going to be that's going to be a different sort of challenge because they are going to drive up there and find a thoroughly parked bus, but uh, a probably quite a badly parked bus at a bit of an angle, you know, like that someone's like just parked it and then jumped out and run off basically. Um, because Newcastle are an, uh, uber shambles at the moment. Oh, they're they're a total shambles. I mean, they got annihilated by Liverpool and, and it was, you know, a, a proper, a proper beating. It could have been even worse. Yeah. I mean, Benitez is holding in there, isn't he? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure he's done a great job, but, uh, I I think he's, I don't see how he could have done a better job. No, I, I no, I know, I know. But uh, yes, you know, he's kept them in the division, which is pretty much all he can do with this this squad, which is is not good. And I the, mean, the, there are very few players that you'd pull out of the 
the Newcastle team and say, yeah, they could they could play a higher level than they are playing. Very few. They're um they're five points uh, clear of the relegation zone as well, which you know that's a, a lot. Uh, given given that they're not a very good team, uh, it's not going to take a lot of points to stay up in this division this season, is it? Between Burnley collapsing, Cardiff, Fulham, Huddersfield, and Newcastle, like those are those are some those are some low points total seasons coming. Well, yeah, halfway stage of the season, uh, Huddersfield ten, Fulham eleven, Burnley twelve, Cardiff fifteen, Southampton fifteen. Wow, yeah, it's really not very inspiring. Um, I think. Imagine you stay up with thirty points. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's not impossible. Certainly, thirty-one or thirty-two this season, I reckon. Um, but I reckon Southampton will pull clear out of that lot as well because they've made a what seems like a very smart managerial appointment. Um, mm-hmm. Or when I say that, what I mean is a German managerial appointment, and someone I've heard of and hipster football fans say is good. So I'm assuming that means it's a smart one. Um, is, isn't it? Isn't the dude Austrian? Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, listen. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, d- d- don't get all Third Reich on us. No, but anyway. I won't. Um, uh, anyway, Newcastle are not very good. They lost 4-0 to um, Liverpool, but it is unusual that they get tonked at their home ground. He says, noticing that they lost 3-0 to West Ham at the beginning of the se- at the beginning of December at, um, at St. James's. But it's kind of a little bit unusual that they concede big numbers of goals at home. Um, in fact, it's generally speaking, it's been quite unusual that they've conceded big numbers at all this season. Um, in the league, I believe it's only us, uh, West Ham and Liverpool that have put three or more goals past them. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone else, it's been one or two, but often, mm-hmm. you know. So, so anyway, we know they're going to be certainly set up to spoil the party. Yeah. They've conceded fewer goals than we have this season. Right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, they, yeah, of course, they're going to set up the spoiler party. This will be a good test of uh, of whether Ollie's United can break down some of those walls. I mean, we will have a better go at it than than under the previous regime. Yeah. The manager whose name we will no longer speak after this <laughs> podcast is finished. So um, uh, we're, we're better set up to take on that kind of opposition. And, you know, as I said before, times against Cardiff and Huddersfield where there were five players ahead of the ball. So nice. Exactly what we need to break Newcastle down. I'm now feeling confident. And you know, like like all this time over and over again, look, it's not about results. It's not the disconnect with United. The feeling of kind of like almost dread about watching them is not about the fact that they might not win. It's about what you're going to see. And honestly, I am not bothered about what results Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets as United manager like of course it's going to be brilliant if we win but I'm going to want to watch every single game without fail um if I was in a position to do so I'd be going to Old Trafford at every opportunity I possibly had you know it it, the feel-good factor is immense and I think if we lose two or three in a row that isn't going away the only way it goes away is if if there's loads of infighting again and if the players fall out with him and all that but I honestly don't think it's going to happen because I don't think it's that hard to keep this squad of players happy I think you just have to tell them they're good and play to their strengths and and I think that's what he's going to do and uh, I I, uh, I haven't seen his um press conference ahead of that game maybe it's coming up late uh, today or tomorrow um uh, but i'm sure he's going to reiterate all the positives and and he's going to talk about united more than he's going to talk about newcastle 
Yeah, well, that's Bournemouth. refreshing too. Uh, you know, uh, sorry, in Bournemouth. Mm. Yeah, um, uh, that's just it's really refreshing. Every every it, I just got so triggered watching uh, Mourinho's press conferences. You know, and just his negativity uh, and and the narcissism, and it's just all gone. Mm. You know. Um, Ollie is going to talk about the collective and he's going to talk about what United need to do and the positives. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that'll do, won't it? We predict, we'll predict the scores and then go home happy. Actually, what we decided to do is normally we, um, every week the show is brought to you by the people that choose to back us at patreon.com slash rankcast. And um, we, uh, we do bonus content every week for people that back at $5 plus VAT per month. Um, we're not saying it's worth that, the bonus content. It's just a kind of reward for people that choose to back us at that level or higher. Um, but this week, in the spirit of the season and the incredible feel-good factor around United, we thought we would do um, the bonus content so it would be available to everyone for one week so you can get a kind of taste of what it's like. I know we always put a little taste in at the end of each episode, but we'll do the, we'll do the whole bonus content this time. Um, and uh, so we'll come back. Uh, in a second after we've predicted it, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna run through Solskjaer's playing career with United um, as this week's bonus content. But before we do that, uh, let's talk predictions. What are your predictions, Ed? Big wins, big wins. Bournemouth at home. Um, Bournemouth concede chances. United now create them. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna say four nil. Wow, four nil FC. Um, I am going to go with a more moderate three one because we also concede chances. Uh, Very true. Um, uh, and and Bournemouth do have good players as as we uh, noted earlier. Yeah, and then Newcastle. I think we are going to slightly labour, not labour, but uh, struggle our way to a two nil win. If it was at home, I'd feel differently. By they really, apart from that West Ham game, which was a weird aberration, they they just don't give up a lot of goals at, at St James's. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, Paul Pogba-inspired 3-1 win. Yeah, lovely. All right, well, if that works, uh, that's going to be real good. Um, so normally I say goodbye at this point, but I'm not going to this week. Um, we're going to just keep this train rolling and uh, hit you up with some bonus content. Nice. So what are we talking about this week, Paul? So, given what's happened, we thought that uh, it would be timely and sensible to cover Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United career as a player and a coach um, for our bonus content this season, especially focusing on his uh, his time as a player. Um, when do you remember first hearing about him, Ed? Well, when he signed. Yeah, I think me too, I suspect. I, I definitely wasn't hipster enough in the mid-90s to be watching Norwegian football. And there was no internet in those days as well. There was there was internet those days, but we didn't really know how to use it or have access to it or anything. Yeah, I I, I did. Did I not? I had a computer around ninety. Yeah, I definitely yeah, had a computer actually, yeah. around. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. I was, you know, in the chat rooms and stuff, uh, of, and IRC and other filth. Um. Uh. So yeah, no, I I hadn't heard of him before he joined. Um. But um. I, uh, you know, this this uh, rando from Norway who looked about twelve years old turned up at United, and I, 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 I think it's been really interesting. We've heard some of the stories this week. Um, who, who was talking about it? Maybe it was um, was it Graham Lasso on the NBC coverage of the Huddersfield game was talking about he uh, he'd talked to a few of the ex-United players from that time and 
And just within the first couple of training sessions, uh, they were absolutely stunned that this guy's finishing. Yeah. Uh, and it was, he was the talk of the squad. Uh, and, of course, you know, we, we saw that within, what, two games of him actually joining, joining United and he started scoring goals. So I, I once um, went on holiday to a cottage in Wales and they had in their book collection Alex Ferguson's 1995-96 diary. I think it was 95-96, wasn't it, um, his, his first season? Or was it? No, 96-97. And he was talking about Solskjaer and what a problem Solskjaer had given him because he, did, yeah, he yeah. didn't sign him to be ready for the first team straight away. We had no, a lot, that's right. A lot of strikers in the squad um, already at that point. Um, but he just hit the ground running. And uh, I think he was our top scorer in that very season, if I'm not much mistaken, which was certainly not expected at the time. Um, uh, uh, like, you know, you buy this Norwegian player with loads of promise who scored like 30 goals in 38 games in Norway, which, you know, clearly you know where the goal is, don't you, in, at that point. Um, but but to kind of to to nail it immediately and score 19 goals in all competitions in your first season at United, nobody was expecting that. No, no. Uh... Not at all, but um, it's sort of mark of quality of the player. It always, also, it's an interesting career at United because he spent a lot of seasons at United, and towards the end, he was obviously you know injured a lot uh, and uh, you know, didn't make many appearances in his sort of final few seasons um, for the club. and And it's a, it's a mixed career because he's got all these trophies, um, but he he always had to struggle to um, to be first choice didn't he, you know, and sort of known as a sub, but made made a lot of, you know, starting appearances for United as well. But he was he was very rarely in a position where it was obvious he was he was starting. Yeah. Um but but made a lot of, you know, the qualities he had, you know, and perhaps as a player, the all round game wasn't quite there, although it matured over the years and, and he spent some time playing in wider positions, didn't he? In in the era when you know, those were wide positions, not wide forwards, um, and especially under Ferguson. Uh, but, you know, he, he's made a, he made a lot of the talent he got and, and it showed very early. What was its first goal? Was it against Blackburn um, or something like that? And um, uh, just a couple of games into, uh, into, into his career at United. Um, and, and, you know, I, I remember him as a player who who just made all those instinctive finishes, you know, and and a humble player as well. And and one, remember, who could have moved from United uh, to join Tottenham, was given the opportunity and then decided against it, said he'd rather be a sub at United and fight for a place than, than uh, be guaranteed. And he was given the option and United had basically agreed a fee. So, you know, there's just there's those things that you, we see in him as a manager now um, that we saw in him as a player as well. Just you mean the kind of absolute love of Man United? <laughs> love of Man United, uh, the fact that he's humble, uh, but you know he had the mindset to go. I'm going to fight for this. Yeah. So he scored against Blackburn, and then a few games later, opened the scoring against Nottingham Forest. More of them later, um, and then um, he scored a brace against Spurs in a home game that we won two nil in September '96. And I think it's around that time that Fergie's starting to think, oi, oi. And actually, 
96-97 is the second most, so his first season at United, when he really was bought to kind of find his feet and play in the reserves for a bit. That's the second most starts he ever made in the league for United. The only other time he made, the only time he made more was 2002-2003, when, as you said, by this point, his all-round game has changed a lot. And he was used as the kind of uh, Scott McTominay to David Beckham's Paul Pogba by Alex Ferguson to make a point. Um, Beck's got injured, Solskjaer filled in on the right, and then Beck's couldn't get his way back into the side because Fergie was fed up with him by that point, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and Solskjaer probably was not as good as David Beckham, wide right. Uh, but nonetheless, actually, unlike Scott McTominay, was was an extremely able deputy. Uh, mm-hmm. He scored nine goals that season in the league um, and 15 so, in all comps. What are your, your major memories of United? Because mine are burned into, into like the big moments, the goal against Liverpool, the Champions League, obviously the four that he scored against. I remember watching that game, actually, Nottingham Forest when he came on and scored four in like the last 15 minutes. Yeah. Or something like that. Those are the moments. I mean, the goal against Liverpool in the um, was it in the cup or the league to turn things. It was the cup, wasn't it? Or maybe it was both, no, it was the, no, it was, the, it was the cup. It was it was the cup. Fourth round of the FA Cup. So all right, let's let's, right. let's let's talk about these one at a time, Ed. Let's not blast them all out in one go. Um, so the Nottingham Forest game uh, was a game. See. We talk about this like everyone listening remembers this, but it's a really long time ago now. Pretty sure it was in the ninety eight ninety nine season, if I right. if I remember correctly. Um, and and we're and we're old, yeah, and uh, many exactly. of our listeners are not exactly. Yeah. So um, Man United were winning four one. I'm pretty sure against Nottingham Forest in the league. Um, at Nottingham Forest, uh, Ron Atkinson's Nottingham Forest, which makes it even more satisfying somehow. Um, and uh, Oli Solskjaer came on as a substitute. Yeah, it was 6th of February, 1999. Um, York had scored a brace. Cole had scored a brace. This is peak York, Cole, Sheringham, Solskjaer era, obviously. And then Oli comes on and scores his first goal in the 80th minute. And by the 90th minute, he scored four. Um, and Ron Atkinson afterwards, he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, if they've got a player on the bench that could do that. And... He has this reputation as a super sub and it's earned from for two reasons. One is the thing you were talking about earlier, which is the kind of move to Spurs that never happened and his willingness to be at United and be a sub. I mean, invaluable to Ferguson to have a player like that who was prepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the reasons we could be as successful as we were in that era is because Oli Solskjaer was prepared to play second fiddle and he played it so beautifully because... Mm-hmm. He would sit on the bench, and this is also probably one of the reasons why he's perhaps on a better trajectory than some of Ferguson's other players as a as a coach. He would sit on the bench and watch every second of the match. He'd be looking for weaknesses, looking for things to exploit. And he came on and scored a lot. It's not a myth. He really was a super sub. But those four mm-hmm. those four goals were quite remarkable. Yeah, 366 games for United, 150 of them off the bench. Uh, so, you know, he did, it's almost, you know, it's a, just a bit over a third of his uh, his performances for United as a sub uh, and and a lot of goals, you know. That, that, that it, was, that, that it was absolutely stunning. It was one of those games you go, wow, you know, glad I was watching that one. Yeah. Um, and I'll remember that for years to come and, uh, you know, what the f*** happened there? Uh, <laughs> So the Liverpool game, uh, we went 1-0 down in the fourth round of the FA Cup. And remember, like the, the FA Cup, 
first of all, there's no denying it. The FA Cup was just straight up more important then than it is now. Even even by 99, it was still an important trophy. And of course, the story of 99 is the story of its completeness. And the the FA Cup was a big part of that. We'd, we'd, we battered Middlesbrough 3-1 in the first, in the third round. And then Liverpool were drawn against Liverpool at Old Trafford. And they they went 1-0 up really early. If I remember rightly, this is Michael, mm-hmm. Michael Owen goal. If I remember, Mo, Owen or Fowler, one or the other. Um, and uh, we kind of hammered them and battered at the door and battered at the door. And finally, Dwight York scored in the 88th minute and mm-hmm. then in the 90th minute. Schmeichel, Neville, Irwin, Keane, Bergstam, Beckham, Butt, Cole, York and Giggs. There's some talent in that team. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's clearly not the first, it's clearly not a full-strength team either, is it? No, so. no I know. Um, I This was a, a season I was, um, uh, you know, it's like during the 90s I went to an awful lot of football, uh, but I was uh, living somewhere away from Manchester this season, uh, so I didn't get to as many games, and I wasn't at this game and watched it in a bar full of United fans, uh, which went completely bonkers. Uh, I think I went completely bonkers as well. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, it, yeah, this is you know this is again one of those games that is burned in the memory uh, for an awful long time. And and in the class of ninety two documentary, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but also, just everywhere this season is talked about, this is picked out as a turning point in the whole season. This is where the kind of myth making begins that. United are a team that are unstoppable, that we are, you know, we can be one nil down with 88 minutes gone in a knockout game, but you can't rest because we've got Oli Solskjaer on the pitch and he's been watching you all. Like, Yeah, he, yeah. that's he, right. Uh, I mean, United didn't lose a game in this season after the 19th of December in any competition, um, wow. but we're very, very close in this game to losing. Yeah, Absolutely. I didn't realise how close these were together. The the Liverpool game is on the 24th of January. The Forest game is on the 6th of February. Yeah. Um, so just a couple of weeks later when he scores four in <sighs> like five minutes or something. Honestly, I, uh, it, like you said, it's just one of those things. I just never forget it. It's 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 so seared into the memory So what Solskjaer did. And then, and then, of course, of course, of course, of course, comes... The moment at which he goes from being a kind of, you know, like very, very well liked kind of cult hero at United to being an actual club legend for the rest of time that will never be forgotten. And, and, you know, he said this very sweet thing in the press conference, which he says, I hope the results are good enough that they're still singing my name at the end, you know, when I leave in May. And it's like, we are never, ever, ever going to stop singing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's name. No, no, and and you know it's um yeah for 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 the goal against Munich. I mean, because he started the FA Cup final a few days earlier, didn't didn't yeah. score, but uh, um and uh, you know perhaps a surprise that he started, but um, no, it wasn't it wasn't a surprise at all because because that game like a lot of the players that weren't going to be starting in the Champions League final, you knew they were going to be starting in the FA Cup final. So it was, yeah. it was like the incredible luxury that Ferguson had because Sheringham wasn't happy to be playing second fiddle. You know, Sheringham did not stick around much longer to play second fiddle, in fact. Um, but but Ollie was okay with it. Um, and so, yeah, Ferguson rewarded him with that start in the FA Cup final. Uh-huh. 
And the, and the Champions League final, uh, I mean, it always gets a little bit dusty in the room when uh, when this comes up. You know, a little tear in the eye. Mm. Oh, I have to I have to watch that um, last three minutes every now and again because, uh, well, boy, half our listeners probably weren't born when this game was on. You don't know football. <laughs> <laughs> it's this, just this was very very special. It's just, you know, I have this theory that I trot out every now and again that um, the Manchester United's 1999 season is the closest thing that you would ever need to prove that the universe does not run along purely materialistic and easily explainable grounds because uh, there's some magic about this season and, and those two goals, you know, Giggs doesn't get the clean contact, Sheringham sweeps it in, we're back in it. David Beckham's standing there with the, you know, has got the corner and he knows he's going to put a good delivery in. Like, he just knows it. He's standing there completely certain that the ball's going to go somewhere in the mix. And when it comes across to Solskjaer and he's standing right in front of the goal and he's almost shocked that the ball's coming to him, but he's so ready and his body shape is like, you know, he just scraps it into the back of the net. And Solskjaer has won it. A perfect moment of commentary in a perfect world where suddenly anything is possible <laughs> and Manchester United have reached a promised land. Thanks to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's positional awareness. Uh, this week, uh, the UEFA Twitter account um, uh posted out, you know, Solskjaer's taken over at United and uh, here's a reminder of why he's so remembered with, you know, highlights <laughs> of that goal. Uh, the Bayern Munich Twitter account, always pretty good for banter, said, sorry, but we're having a block you now. <laughs> we're still a bit emotional about that one. Um, uh, not as good as the uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, account for, for the old bands, I'd say, but, you know, not bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, it, it, I, I guess more of our listeners will remember the 2008 Champions League final. You know, great for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but just you know, I don't think I'll ever be seared into the memory and the uh, emotions quite the way this one. You know, I still get the goosebumps watching that game uh, and a little croak in the throat, <clears throat> as you can hear. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, the room gets a little dusty. Just, just pure magic, and that's why he'll. Always, one of the reasons he'll be um, always loved and revered at United. You know, it doesn't matter what the results are for the next few months. Um, he's only going to Solskjaer. He's one of us. So, um, one of the folkloric moments, of course, in Solskjaer's career is the tackle against Rob Lee. Um, the, he's just, it's just amazing. He, he is. It's one of the few times where a standing ovation for a red card was absolutely deserved. It kind of it started a bit of a bad trend, I think, of like of people getting stupid red cards and getting a standing ovation. Um, but that that was was a was an excellent red card to get. So everyone's seen this, I'm sure. But Rob Lee is breaking clean through on goal in a must-win game for United, and Solskjaer charges half the length of the pitch and just takes him out, um, and kind of basically turns and walks off immediately. Fergie was not happy about that at all, though. Apparently, gave gave Solskjaer a bit of a talking to. Said that's not how we do things around these parts. Yeah, but it was the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. No, I I know it's uh, you know nowadays I don't think a manager would ever criticise a player for 
for that. You know, it's it's a more cynical time, but uh, Fergie had some principles, and uh, it's just imagine it's brilliant. It's on YouTube. Go go watch it. Um, he he, you can see him lengthen his stride. He's absolutely busting a gut to get back. Uh, and then realizes he's not going to get back to the ball and just takes Robley out just <laughs> in the most beautifully cynical manner. Uh, and you're right, he just he turns around and walks off, and then he sort of turns back, doesn't he? Just to double check that he's getting. <laughs> yeah, the am, I, am I actually getting sent off? Um, yeah. So then, o one o o two, he starts twenty three games in the league. Um, is that after Van Nistelrooy has arrived? Yeah, it is, isn't it? So Van Nistelrooy arrives and Van Nistelrooy liked playing with Solskjaer, um, which he didn't like playing with that many other strikers, but he could play with Solskjaer because Solskjaer would never get in his way, obviously, because his, his movement was excellent. And he banged 17 in the league that season, his uh, his second highest goal tally ever, which given that's 23 starts, I mean, seven sub-appearances, but 23 starts, 17 goals, not bad it's at all, good, is it? It's a pretty good ratio, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he's, uh, I mean, talk about finishers. Ollie's a magnificent finisher. Mm. I don't know what, what, uh, what the right words are for Van Nistelrooy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so different, isn't it? Because Van Nistelrooy had, I guess he had more physical attributes to be working with than Solskjaer. Solskjaer's finishing is like the most cerebral finishing I've ever seen. Like his spot picking is just exquisite, isn't it? I'd love, I'd love to see the breakdown between Solskjaer's XG and his goals scored because I bet his goal scored is a good bit higher. I, th- I think that's right. I don't, I don't, I don't know whether the data is available retroactively. I guess it's not. Um, someone had to watch an awful lot of videos to to do it. But uh, yes, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure his ratio is very interesting. Solskjaer. I mean, uh, cerebral. Yes, you know because he he made the right choices all the time, but also. There's a lot of instinct there. You can see in that 99 goal. Yeah. Uh, he's He puts that in the top corner, but he, he's not thinking about that. That's uh, that's on instinct uh, and reaction times. Um, and there, there weren't too many strikers who'd put that away. I mean, would Van Nistelrooy have put that away? Pro- probably, but he might, have, he might have got a cleaner contact and stuck <laughs> it right at the keeper. Oh, it's just... It is... It is amazing to think that that's a real thing that happened in our lifetimes that we got to see United win the Champions League final in which they got absolutely battered by winning it with the last kick of the game thanks to like probably the most likable player in the club's history you know every every other United great has got I mean not that Solskjaer doesn't have an edge to him and there's that story that Rio Ferdinand tells of being at training in his is one of his first training sessions and someone like absolutely fizzes a ball into him and he fails to control it and Oli Solskjaer just goes how much <laughs> and he's like oh it'd be all right if it's Roy Keane but Oli Solskjaer is bantering me off here <laughs> nice yeah uh, so so then he, he he basically replaced David Beckham on the right uh, and he did a a really fine job of it. Um, uh, from my memory, uh, he was very effective from that position. Um, but then, unfortunately, uh, and and in fact, Beckham was not replaced when he was sold. So the plan was Solskjaer at right, white, um, wide right. Um, and unfortunately, then, then comes the sort of incredibly emotional coda to to Solskjaer's United career because that's when he does his knee against Panathinaikos um, and he's out of action. Uh, I've got the dates here from September till February mm-hmm. and then he's just kind of like, uh, he, he never really 
comes. It never really recovers. Yeah. No. I mean, his his final season at United in oh six oh seven, he he scored eleven goals, which because I remember him hardly playing at all. Which basically for three years he hardly played at all. Yeah. Um, because of that knee, uh, there's one story because it went around that um, he'd actually caused that injury in his knee slide in the 99 <laughs> season. He he denies that and says that isn't true. But, well, uh, I mean, the dates, uh, the, he played for four, it was four years later. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. Um, but it's good myth, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, did he score? Yeah. So he scored against Charlton and that's the one where he did the, he did the kind of, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy bow to the United fans. And now that, now that is a dusty room moment um, and you know his relationship with the united fans really truly was special and it wasn't just because of 99 because teddy sheringham like you know he's well liked by united fans but there's no banner in the stretford end for teddy sheringham and nor would there ever be and yet he scored a goal of equal importance in that game but solskjaer's entire united career as we've seen so clearly by what's happened in the last couple of weeks or week, can't believe it's only a week, um, was defined by how much he loved being a United player. Right. And, and there's something incredibly special about that. And it was proven time and time and time again, because he could have had in some ways, well, he certainly could have had a very different career. Imagine if after 1999, he could easily have laid won everything by that point. He could easily have said, I actually, for the rest of my career, I'd like to play every game, basically. And, and you know, there's not too many levels of football where he wouldn't have been a starting striker every single week. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, if he'd gone to Spurs at that time, then Spurs were very much Spurs then, yeah. not the Spurs of now. Yeah, he would have. Of course, he'd been playing every week and he'd probably scored 30 goals a season, you know. Mm. Um uh, but yeah, he didn't, and and like the love for him was reflected in seventy thousand fans turning up at his testimonial. Yeah, I guess it's Spaniel. Random selection, <laughs> right, I'd <yeah>. say. Shame, <laughs> um, surprised it wasn't Mulder. Yeah, it should have been or Bayern Munich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, ouch! <laughs> That'd have been painful for them, I bet. And um, he he was then given the job um, as a coach in Ferguson's first team staff. Um, at that point, that was his first job at United. Yeah. Um, what, one other story I remember, um, actually, just to, just to round off the uh, the '99 bands. Danny Baker, uh, the 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 uh, Radio One, uh, what do you call him? DJ. Yeah. Called DJ. Um, uh, personality uh, tells the story of him watching the '99 final uh, and pulling his pants down. Uh, in the face of Lothar Mateus. He's not a United fan, you know, he's a, he's a Londoner through and through, but uh, clearly, uh, you know, found that a wonderful moment. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I remember the German players uh, just absolutely destroyed on the pitch mm. um, after that, you know, they, their worlds must have just fallen in. Um, and, and, you know, that that is only just to give colour to the, the emotion in that moment, that was the exact opposite of that, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, as good as it gets in in watching football for everyone who's there or watching on TV and, and for the players. And, uh, you know, that's um, that for anyone who, who wasn't around at that time and doesn't remember that game or was very young. And uh, that's why this guy will be seared into 
into everything that United is and then why he'll get such massive support and why he gets the club, you know, and Edward Wood is right in this. He gets the club. And then he was a reserve team coach for a long time. You know, he, he did and and you know, he did a job which was with a very, very good record, yeah. Yeah, very, very widely praised. Um that I think he'd left by the time they won the Youth Cup. Yeah. Um or maybe he didn't reserve manage that side because I get all confused about which one's which. <laughs> but um, anyway, he he then got the gig at Mulder and won the league in their first season, and they're not a team that's supposed to win the Norwegian League. And Cardiff happened, whatever, you know. I remember at the time, everyone said, this is a, a, a no-lose situation for Solskjaer because the club's such a state um, that it won't negatively affect his reputation if he does badly. And I remember saying... I don't think that's true because I think reputations get damaged whatever state the club's in. Um, and actually the amount of people that have brought up what a terrible did job he did at Cardiff in the last week is real evidence that, no, it did hurt his reputation, actually. In fact, it's the only thing a lot of people think about when they think about his coaching career, even though it's a, a real blip in an otherwise very successful coaching mm-hmm. career at youth and senior level, you know. Mm. Yeah, they won the 2009-2010 uh, Premier League uh, Reserve North right. um, League by some distance, and then the the playoff um, against the uh, the Southern winners, Aston Villa, um, was a three all uh, three all game, and uh, and United won penalties with Federico Macheda. Well, Marin BM Duf Diouf scored and uh, twice in that game, and Macheda scored as well, and then Macheda. Uh, Possibon and Ben Foster scored the penalties to uh, give United the victory and uh, Ollie his first trophy as a manager. Wow. Um, Mamabirim Juf is perhaps a slight uh, salutary lesson uh, that we should be a little bit cautious about giving Solskjaer tons of money to spend in January, given that apparently, according to Fergie's second autobiography, which I guess means this is probably not true. Um, uh, Ollie was the player that the person that had suggested to uh, Fergie that he should take a look at Mamburam Juif. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's got six goals for United in that reserve season. <laughs> there you go. Uh, anyway, uh, one as of- did as did another inevitable purchase for United. Um, uh, in the January window, Magnus uh, Wolf Eichram. <laughs> How has he not already been linked? How I, I has just he not been know. linked? <laughs> Currently at Mulder. Surely, surely, surely he's got to. He's got to come. <laughs> um, love that kid, by the way. <laughs> like, look, and I'm kind of glad. I, ideally, of course, he would have like lived up to the dream of his potential and been a world beater. But the next best thing is him just hanging out with Ole Solskjaer for the rest of his life. Um, which I think we'd all like to do. Where does he where does he rate in your in your favourite United players ever then, Ed? Is he up there? Solskjaer, yeah, he's up there uh, for different reasons. For, you know, obviously Eric, for just being Eric and, and Roy Keane for being Roy Keane. Yeah. And, and Brian Robson and, you know, of the players from the 90s. Um, but he rates highly, not, not because he was as good as those players, because he wasn't, but for the personality he was uh, and, you know, because because he's a United fan on the pitch. Yeah. And and he scored that goal. Yeah, absolutely. And and he scored that goal and it it, it was like the fact that he scored that goal is such a fitting, um, almost like reward for everything he sacrificed to beat United. 
because oh yeah, like oh yeah, what a terrible sacrifice it is to be a Man United footballer. But you know, he did choose to be to play fewer games in his career than he otherwise would have done in order to play for United. And the fact that he got to score a last minute winner in the Champions League final is pretty excellent kind of like a karmic justice for the fact that he was prepared to be a sub so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, God bless Oli Solskjaer and all who sails in him, which is now the whole of United because uh, he's somehow now our manager, which is amazing. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to enjoy the ride yeah, for exactly. the next few months, you know, and, and I wasn't enjoying watching United as uh, as listeners will probably. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's nice to, isn't it just nice to feel excited about United again and not hate everything about the club? I mean, yeah. you know, I hate the owners and I don't have very much respect for the CEO. Um, and and I despise an awful lot of what United has become as a club, you know. It's a, it's a brand that just happens to have a football team attached to it. Um, and, and, you know, I could compartmentalise all of that for 90 minutes on a Saturday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or whenever it was. Um, but with the kind of football that our previous manager, the Portuguese manager, was playing, um, uh, I, I started to despise that as well. Yeah. So and I and I started to not look forward to the. Yeah, I had to watch them all, obviously, but I wasn't looking forward to the games. Now I am. Yeah. I can't wait for the next game. Absolutely. And Solskjaer played at a time where we definitely couldn't wait for the next game. So it's super cool for him to be managing at that time. So. Thank you for listening, everyone. I hope that um, those of you that don't normally get the bonus content enjoyed it. Um, We'll be back uh, with a normal show after the Newcastle game and normal bonus content. Yes, certainly will. In the meantime, um, drop us a review on iTunes. That will help other people find this podcast and uh, they'll now find a happy, jolly, (laughs) looking forward to the next game podcast rather than uh, an hour or an hour and a half of doom and gloom. Yeah. That, uh, that we were getting. Hey, and, you know, we haven't even talked about politics once in this podcast <laughs> because, you know, the two things that were turning people off, the doom and gloom, um, and we joke about this, of course, but, you yeah, know, the doom and gloom uh, and our, uh, you know, snowflake-dum uh, <laughs> of political commentary, and we haven't done that, either of those things, this podcast. Perfect. Long may it continue. Um, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, take good care of yourselves and enjoy Man United. Woohoo! Come on, you Reds! Come on.